Hello, my name is Mark Gibson uh, and I'm the Head of Strategic Motions here at Unit 4. Unit 4 is a leading provider of enterprise business solutions for mid-market service-based industries. Part of my role is to scan the market for trends and to ensure that Unit 4 is aligned and ready to help organisations meet the current challenges. Now, what are they? In today's gig economy, one of the major challenges is finding the right people at the right time for service-based organisations. And I think it's never been so acute. 2021 has been termed the year of the great resignation due to massive workforce turnover. Since April 2021, in the US alone, more than 19 million workers have left their jobs and the numbers are still growing. Across the globe, we are seeing some of the highest attrition rates in history. In the highly skilled jobs of professionals of the professional services industry, high rates of attrition have always been an issue, but they are even more acute now. According to a recent study, 40% of employees said that they were at least somewhat likely to quit in the next three to six months. Now, in today's podcast, we are going to explore how these and other human factors are impacting service-based organisations. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by a person that needs no real introduction. Uh, Mickey North Rizzo, Group VP of Enterprise Software for IDC. You know, Mickey has worked uh, and has over 20 years experience as a practitioner in supply chain, sourcing and procurement. And prior to IDC, also worked as an award-winning analyst for AMR Research and Gartner. Mickey, it's great to have you with us today. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, so Mickey, um, with the, you know, the, what I've just said in terms of it seems a, a huge amount of turmoil in the industry at the moment. Uh, do you feel that we are in unprecedented times for service based industries? I think we are in general. And I think you said it well. I wasn't certain if you meant 2021 or 2022, though, because now in 2022, the resignation rates are really high as well. Right. So, um, you know, I. When you step back and you look at the services side of the equation, how do you serve a client when you're coming out of a pandemic? What things do you have to think about, right? Um, it isn't all about being on site any longer. It's also about working through um, video chats of some sort uh, from, from Teams to Zoom calls to a zillion other different um, aspects that are out there and the way we interact. And so it really comes down to how do we do the work from a service side if you can't reach out and touch someone how do you still make sure that the opportunity is available for others, right? That's absolutely right. And, you know, you make great, uh, great points there. And I think, you know, many things we were seeing before pandemic, but pandemic is, is obviously just exasperated the whole situation. And I think, again, one of the things that were, we were seeing, you know, pre-pandemic really were, was that driving high attrition rates, certainly in the development world, is the fact that we've got an aging workforce. And with significant numbers looking to retire early, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not sure about you, Mickey, probably a lot, uh, a lot further away than me. But, you know, some of us are, are looking to maybe retire in the next few years. But I think many are choosing to do so in a phased way. Uh, but by going to maybe as a part time retirement, perhaps working a set number of days uh, per week or even per year, um, or indeed many even looking to, to leave an organisation and come back in a contracting capacity or a specialist capacity. And we'll discuss that in a second. Added to that, we have a younger workforce who want to work more flexibly. Now, whereas the older generation working from home, I think, provides them with a, a really strong attraction to, to keep them um, in uh, with an employee uh, or an employer, 
then, you know, for the new and younger you know, people coming into an organization and young consultants, I don't think working from home is a huge attraction. Certainly want that flexibility. But I also think that they want the ability to travel within the organization uh, to new locations, to meet new people uh, and certainly experience, uh, you know, new cultures in a face to face environment. Recently, we've done a survey uh, uh, with an organization called PAC. We've got a PAC report which states that, you know, 56 percent of management consulting firms expect 75 percent of their employees to be office based again by 2025. So, so, Mickey, you know, given that, what do you see as the future of work in the next sort of five to 10 years time? So, it, you know, it, it's really interesting as we watch the whole thing. Right now, it's more of a hybrid aspect, right? Some are in the office, some are in home. Um, you know, we look at um, organizations, financial institutions in New York City, for example, right? Those organizations want their employees at the office. Um, manufacturing facilities, many of those workers need to be on site because we don't have, you know, robotics or whatnot working there, right? And then we also have civil servants who have to be in their government offices, even though, you know, in some cases they haven't been through the pandemic, but many of these government offices are promoting back to office messages, right? And that's really to provoke the spending in the office locations. If you think about it, in some of these downtown areas, the coffee shops, the restaurants, the doctor's offices and whatnot um, really have been struggling. So if you can pull that together, it really does make a difference from the overall level, right? And then, you know, the other thing that we see working, you know, part-time is the semi-retired workers, right? Um, we've got organizations that, that we know and that we work with that some of these organizations, some of the folks do want to retire. You brought this up earlier. Others uh, don't want to retire. Some want to stay on. But, you know, that also has moved organizations to into what we would call like a four-day work rate, right? Um, and that, in theory, would give you a better work-life balance. Maybe you'd be working 10 hours versus eight hours for those four hours of work, right? And it also could be a trend to bring in uh, a younger generation to learn and tap into the experience of an older generation. And, and at some point in time, it's definitely going to flip up changing the work hours from an overall perspective. But I think also what comes with that are what the job descriptions look like, uh, what's the flexibility that's required from the employee, and also what are the skills that are available as well, right? I think that's, that's certainly right. And, you know, even in the news this morning, uh, there's a, a study going on uh, in the UK at the moment around, uh, I think it's 70 organizations trialing a four-day week. Uh, um, and I think, you know, I think that would be successful. And I, I, I do think that, you know, this whole work-life balance has changed. You know, people don't necessarily need to work now, you know, five days a week, night or five or, you know, night or six, uh, whatever the terms are. People want flexibility. They even, you know, work the odd day at the weekend and have time off in the week if that fits their sort of lifestyle. And I think organizations sort of need to to mold themselves to that. And and obviously, as you said, in the job description needs to be a key part of it. So 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 what is the IDC research that, that you guys have done showing showing along these lines? And does it support that that rhetoric? Yes and no. So um, what we're finding is organizations are struggling to adapt to the new environment, right? And it's really about influencing the behavior of the employees. And that's really where the issue is coming up. What we found is nearly 55% of the companies worldwide report that they have renewed their purpose and codes of conduct. So, you know, that's their mission statement, their purpose, what their codes of conduct are from their employees, but it hasn't necessarily changed their behavior, right? And so when we looked at that from a regional perspective, we found 75% of companies in Asia Pacific are in the state, um, only 43% 43 excuse me, of companies in EMEA are in the state. 
and 38.6% in North America. So if I step back and say, what does that really mean? So although the corporations have made leadership efforts to drive this direct behavior, something's preventing those efforts from effectively changing how employees will tackle the business challenges. And so if I think about that, it can be broken up, I think into a couple different buckets, right? So you have um, individuals and teams who have changed in many cases, they've become more flexible, the enterprise processes, governance, structured roles, compensation, incentives, recognition, um, and skills development haven't caught up, right? I mean, but it's natural. That's what state of change does. It kind of moves you forward and then you got to figure out all the rest that stands behind it. Um, the other thing is while some of this is stuck in the past, part of that organization no longer exists because it's become much more hybrid. So you start to look at a coexistence of old ways of working with new ways of working, and you've got overly rigid hierarchies that aren't really helping it. And then, you know, lastly, what we're finding is those organizations that have shifted to this new organizational development, but their policies and practices are still sort of coming up to the equation, yet in some cases have also evolved. We're looking at those as more resilient organizations. And I think it would be good to, to level set everybody here. Um, IDC calls a resilient organization, one that maintains its clarity of purpose and behaviors while unlocking the potential of hybrid work. And this is all around the hybrid workflow and the future of work all, all over. And what that means is the employees gain the freedom to work anywhere and anytime with the benefit of automation to achieve better performance goals for the business, right? So one of my um, coworkers, um, Amy Loomis, one of my peers, she's brought forward a great model showcasing the progress of companies as they move towards a more hybrid workforce model from the overall digital, trans, um, digital first world. In fact, what we're calling right now, this whole world around automation is the digital first world as an organization gets to this next level. Before I go too much more, Amy and her coworker, Holly, while also have put together what we call our future of work uh, taxonomy around what these new roles are for the employees and what that looks like. It cuts across eight different programs and 49 use cases. So I want to bring that forward because I think it's really pertinent research and would help an organization to figure out where it's evolving to as it brings more technology and to help level the playing field of the employees and ensure that the work is getting done. And then I know I'm talking a lot here, Mark. <laughs> My last piece is around the transition towards hybrid, right? So we've got permanent full-time folks that are going there. We've got part-time workers that are coming in from a hybrid perspective. We also have contractors, right, that are external to the organization that are helping out, let's call them, um, additions to the workflows that kind of go up and down with a cadence depending on where the work is, right? But as you look at those three types, the technology has to be that underpinning because you need to be able to differentiate the three types as well as understand their skills, what flexible aspects they can bring to the equation and where they need to go. And right now we're not seeing the technology get to that next level. So it's starting to come forward and it's catching up. And in other cases, it's way ahead. So it'll be fun to watch as everything starts to transition. Yeah, I think you're certainly right, Mickey. And, and you feel free to talk. I'm sure uh, our audience is far more interested in hearing from you than they are from me. So you continue to talk as much as you want. And I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head there that, that technology is really important, but it's only an enabler. You need to get your business processes right. You need to get your terms and conditions of employment right. And I know we'll touch a tiny bit upon uh, technology um, um, later on um, in, the, in the discussion. But uh, just for now, you, you touched upon there uh, around, you know, some of the younger generation. So, so how do you think the younger generation is going to be affected if 
you know, the older generation continues to work for longer, albeit on a part time basis. You know, do you think uh, that that's going to be good for the younger generation in terms of flexibility or is it going to be problematic? So from my end, I think it's more about um, a yin and a yang here, right? So you've got a younger generation that's been saying for a while they they don't want to work as many long hours. They want to spend more time with their family um, and they want to enjoy the lives that they have, which is fantastic, right? That's great. I think every employee I've ever known has wanted to get to that, right? But the older generation has worked longer and harder in some cases, not in all cases. And I don't want to precursor, you know, set this up to say that's the case because it isn't the case. All right. But many of them have worked many long hours and they're ready for the next stages of their lives, right? More time with their families, uh, playing new sports, meeting new people, even, even moving to new locations, right? But the inflation rates, the geopolitical threats, um, the petrol prices, I mean, whatever you're looking at, the petrol and gas, it just continues to go on. And so this is making this older generation rethink what does it mean to exist one, the way they have, and then two, in whatever new lifestyle they have. So I think there's a, a, a couple aspects here of um, how the older generation can help the younger generation from mentoring and training new employees to both understanding that they both want to have a flexibility here and what can be the win-win for every organization. I also think too that you know, many times an organization, if someone retires, the person's like, oh, I'm going to take over and do blah, blah, and blah. This isn't always necessarily that way. If you can have the two demographics working together to get to that next level and help the organization continue to get to its business performance, it's only going to make it better, right? So it's really about the schedules, the burnout, the uh, exit strategy, the entrance strategy, and putting those two together as an organization goes forward. No, I think you're really right. And, you know, having a technology system to support that is, is challenging in, a, in, in any environment to support that, you know, that holistic flexibility. But, you know, there are, you know, solutions that can help. But one of the things that, that you touched upon was, you know, the, this whole um, older generation part-time retirement. Now, sometimes that might not be as an employee of the organization. You know, we've seen many individuals, colleagues alike, who will leave an organization and then come back either, you know, usually is on a part-time basis as a you know a trusted advisor or a contractor of, of some shape or form now now certainly in the uk there's legislation around the governance of that because you know organizations and employees themselves or contractors themselves have been known to, to abuse the system a little bit so in the uk for instance we have ir35 which has just been tightened up quite a bit uh, over the course of the last year in your opinion, what does that mean for the future of work and looking at that particular contractor dynamic? I think it really comes down to understanding where the dynamic of the worker fits in. In the end, it's all about, um, I, I think, um, who they're working for, um, what um, policies and considerations are given to the employee from, if they're an employee from life insurance to tax implications, um, to even if they go into the U.S. into the um, um, the overall insurance benefits that someone might have, right? And so that really comes down to what are those defined sets and how does all that come together? I know in the U.S. we also have what we call defined rules around a 1099 versus W-2 contractors, and that can also have serious tax implications. So it's really, one, understanding the rules for the uh, employer, uh, two, understanding them as the employee so you don't make the wrong um, uh, setup for yourself and you don't recognize you may have to pay taxes and you don't realize it. So I think it's really about understanding what those pieces are. 
But again, Mark, I think the common denominator here with all these differences is having some sort of ability to track it, audit it, ensure compliance, right? And to me, again, this comes back to technology. Technology is the common thread here that can bring all of this together. Yeah, most certainly. And, you know, because of those stricter rules to provide those contractor services, do you think this means the end of the the small business contractor, the single person uh, contractor? Who, who makes their, you know, makes their way of living out of providing services into other organizations? I really hope not, Mark. I mean, small businesses have really been the lifeblood of most countries, and it would really be a darn shame. But I think that's why the technology has to be leveraged to the aspect of understanding not only the rules and regulations, but also understanding what you can do and what you can't do. In the end, I don't think government, any government, wants to get rid of small businesses. I think, if anything, they just want to be able to make sure that the larger businesses aren't taking advantage of something that is open for a small business. And it's still going to take some time to figure out the lines of demarcation here. No. I, I, I certainly agree. I, I think, uh, you know, the role of the small businesses is, is invaluable um, in any uh, economy. Uh, and without them, you know, um, the economy would be um, probably in a worse state than it, than it actually is today uh, with the current things that are going on in our, our global world as we speak. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, organizations are typically looking at as a, as a way of um, retaining employees is to go for, you know, the unlimited holidays. Um, now, in my experience, when you have unlimited holidays, most employee most employees actually don't abuse the system. But in your work, you know, in, in, from your research and from your understanding, you think unlimited holidays is a big enough hook, and do you think uh, that will work in a if it is adopted holistically across? or is the de facto standard across most organizations? I think a lot of it's being done for the organization, right, to um, give those organ the, those individuals in the organization that have accrued these long vacations but haven't taken them, and much of it's just because they want to stay tied in and get the work done and do whatnot has to be done. But the problem is they accrue it and they can't take it. So let's say an employee has six months, right, paid vacation, uh, and they never get a chance to take it. So, you know, that's great that they're now kind of pushing that forward, I think one of the problems with that is if all of a sudden someone takes six months vacation, who's going to do the work while that individual is gone, right? So you bring in another employee that might be able to do that, and that's fantastic because it gives them the opportunity to do that. And then what you've done is you've grown a workforce and you have kind of a, I guess I'll call it an ability to, to ebb and flow depending on how the work goes. You get different aspects and different criteria from different people in the way that they may go forward on this, right? It also says at some point that if you've got that many employees um, and you're leveraging back and forth, that at some point the wages could be lower because it's going to cut into profitability. So it'll be really interesting to see how this goes along. But I also think there's one other aspect of this and it's policing it. If all of a sudden you tell someone that there's unlimited vacation, you can come on in and work, what does that mean to an employee that's a younger generation and a college student? Does that say uh, to them and their mindset, oh, just come on in and work for us. You get unlimited vacation, take it whenever you need to. What you haven't taught them is that the work still needs to get done. So I think the policing it, making sure that the, that the work is getting done, that there is a work-life balance, again, you can do all of this through a technology platform. So, you know, when you really get down to it, there's so many different shifts going on. But in the end, it's around how do you do something better with a better technology platform? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And a huge role comes down to sort of management uh, in terms of manage and piecing that uh, you know, that, that unlimited sort of um, flexibility around holidays. Uh, as I say, in, in my experience of working for organizations that have had the policy and have, have not had the policy, 
I know very few circumstances where individuals have actually abused it, but you're right. It would be interesting to see how, you know, the younger generation would, would sort of uh, buy into that or not, you know, depending on, uh, you know, how it was positioned within their sort of terms and conditions of employment. So, look, Mickey, we've touched upon a number of areas, really, a number of changes that are going on in the, uh, you know, in the world of work. So, you know, how are all these changes captured in an organisation or, or aren't they at this moment in time? I think it goes back to the research I, I cited earlier from Holly and, and Amy around the fact that organizations are only halfway there, maybe even a third of the way there, depending on the organization itself. And it's really getting to this taxonomy of the different use cases that can change to. And then as you look at these use cases, how much of it can be embedded in technology to help further the skills further the development of the organization and help further the organization understand compliance, ensuring that they're meeting the rules and regulations, and that they're starting to flip the behaviors of the employees to better policies and whatnot. So the organization evolves over time. So to me, it comes down to a very common thread. And I, I think I've said it a few times today, probably sound like a broken record, but it's all around that technology aspect, right? Really comes down to that. So, uh, yeah, and, you know, at Unifor, we, we have a number of tools that can support uh, with a number of those different threads, uh, certainly within our, our Unifor ERP suite. You know, from an employee support and well-being perspective, we have HCM tools designed to capture the underlying sentiment within an organization, which provide real, uh, real-time dynamic dashboards to allow managers to recognize those trends early so that they can understand them and they can take, uh, you know, more immediate and early intervention to, to recover situ situations, you know, ideally even before they occur. So that's from, a, you know, an HCM and a, and a support and well-being uh, perspective. From a, a more operational perspective, as well as our core uh, HR capability within the ERP platform, we have a tool, People Planning and Analytics, within our FP&A tool uh, and People Planner within FP&A. And with people planning and analytics, you can bring together reporting across both your own FTEs and contractors, and you can start to model things like what if scenarios uh, to understand, you know, the changing dynamic within the organization and deepening the workforce. And then, of course, with People Planner, you can ensure that the right resources are aligned to your key projects in an efficient and timely manner, hopefully helping to improve both utilization uh, and successful delivery of projects. Uh, but also driving the growth um, and the profitability within organizations as well. And of course, at Unifor, all of these tools are available in a fully integrated suite so that you have a single source of the truth across the entire organization. And of course, if the audience wish to know more, then they can visit our website, www.unit4.com, uh, where there's a whole raft of information about many of the topics that we've discussed today. So enough about, um, you know, the, the world and the trends of, of, of uh, our employees and what are going on at the moment. You know, uh, with this changing world, we don't often get a chance to get to know our, our colleagues as we once did. So, so Mickey, what, what are some of your favorite hobbies and, and has the pandemic reshaped some of those hobbies? It has indeed. So um, my gardening and, and reading are still top of my list um, to hiking with my husband, John, and our two English Springer Spaniel pups, Chelsea and Spencer. Uh, so, yes, you know, that that has, has made it so that we can still do some of those things. And I guess from a personal side, it's been fantastic. But that whole interaction with others has really changed everything, as everybody knows, you know, going to a restaurant, meeting up with friends and doing different things has really been changed. So I will tell you, I do have a new hobby, and that's tennis. Um, over the pandemic, I started taking some tennis lessons. Uh, it was great because um, I could have the ball hit to me and hit it back and never have to touch it or get very close to my instructor, right? 
And then also, as I started to evolve into some of the ladies' tennis matches and whatnot, the social distancing was there and just how we did it. So it's really been a lot of fun. So thanks for, for asking that, Mark. How about you? What, you know, how is, uh, has the um, pandemic or now endemic uh, reshaped your personal life? Well, uh, I certainly haven't taken up anything as energetic as tennis. But, but for me, Mickey, it's, it's all about travel. Uh, travel both <laughs> as part of work. Uh, meeting colleagues again face to face, uh, some of whom I haven't seen for for two years, or indeed many cases, first time I've ever met them, other than in a virtual uh, in a virtual world of a Teams or a, a Zoom call. You know, and also not just work, but I'll be honest, I, I like my holidays, I like going abroad, I like seeing different places in the world. So the ability to go back out and start having holidays again. Although perhaps understandably, given the topics that we've covered today, the airlines and the airport industry are certainly not making it very easy to travel at the moment, but hopefully <laughs> they'll get themselves back on track really soon. So, so Mickey, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Uh, and our audience will have been um, you know, delighted to hear from you. Uh, some, some great insight there into the current challenges, but also I think some of the potential opportunities that service-based industries um, are facing today. You know, consistent research over the past 15 years supports the notion that only a handful, perhaps less than 20 percent, of professional organisations actually achieve their true potential. These leaders are able to quickly seize the market opportunities and drive best in class performance through effective use of technology in conjunction with an enlightened and highly flexible management and workforce practices. Attracting and retaining the best talent is by far the best way to improve overall results and must always be a priority for any organisation. Thank you very much for joining us on the call today. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And once again, if you wish to find out any further information, then please visit www.unit4.com. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.